From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Back in September, President Trump signed an executive order requiring state and local governments to consent in writing to allow refugee resettlements inside of their borders. The deadline for officials to opt in was originally January 21st. Well, that order was struck down in a U.S. district court earlier this week. By that time, Texas had announced that it would reject more refugees. Forty-two other states had agreed to accept new resettlements. Georgia and seven other states were still undeclared. Clarkston, Georgia, has resettled tens of thousands of newly arrived refugees. It's sometimes called the Ellis Island of the South. And while that term may signal a liberal enclave, well, I'm joined on the line by a conservative businessman who's made a living supporting Clarkston's refugee community. Chris Chancy is founder of Amplio Recruiting, which connects refugees to quality jobs in the metro Atlanta era area. And he's joining us via Skype. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you grew up in a small town in southern Georgia. What drew you to Clarkston? Yeah, I grew up in, in Waycross, Georgia. Uh, and, uh, you know, the community I grew up in is a, is a great place to grow up. But for the most part, um, everyone shares the same kind of beliefs about life and, and culture and, you know, speaks the same, acts the same. And, and so it was kind of a winding road that landed my wife and I uh, to move into the verge of the Clarkston community and um, and begin to experience, um, you know, what an incredibly diverse community it is. We, we actually did it by accident. And uh, I remember uh, ignorantly saying there's probably some good some good ethnic restaurants in this town. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, now we can call some of our best friends, uh, people from from all over the world, from from Iraq and Ethiopia and uh, Bhutan, and and uh, it's been a crazy journey over the last several years. So after about a year after arriving in Clarkson, you founded Amplio. This is a human resources group that connects refugees to local jobs. You know, you identify as a conservative Republican, voted for Trump in 2016. So this is just about a year after launching your business. He ran on traditionally conservative positions, hardline on immigration. So how do you reconcile this goal of of, of working with refugees and trying to provide stability for them with this platform? Well, you know, we always saw the economic opportunity and, and really try to focus on just the economics of the situation that, you know, even in, in 2016, this was the case. It's even worse now. There's 7 million open jobs in the U.S. And as a conservative, um, I know that focusing on the economy and seeing the growth of the economy is is one of the key priorities for Trump, and that was one of the uh, things that he ran on in his, his platform and his campaign. And and so we just felt like, you know, at this moment in time, in 2016, unfortunately it's still the case today, that there is an ignorance around immigration and, and the ways that uh, refugees and immigrants can contribute to the local economy. Um, I, our hope was that our business could change that and that we could put a different narrative uh, in place right now the thought is by most Americans that when you hear the term refugee, you're either talking about someone who's a charity case or someone who's a terrorist threat. Mm -hmm. And so what we've been able to try to prove over the last several years is neither one of those are true. In a time like this, not everyone who shares that point of view would be vocal about their position. What made you decide to be to share your perspective more broadly? You know, I think when we when you when you meet someone and you begin to hear their story it changes the headlines and makes it very personal and so we're at a point where um, our our own personal reputation is set aside 
because we see the impact that the refugee workforce can have in our nation, in our state, in our local communities. And we've seen that time and time again with the companies we've worked with. So we've placed over 5,000 refugees into jobs with around 300 companies in the Atlanta area. And so we've seen this dramatic impact of these individuals uh, that they have in their communities and, and certainly on the businesses that they get to work for. And so it's just something that we want to blast from the rooftops. It's a, it's a, it's a game-changing perspective to recognize the contributions that these individuals desire to have and do have when we give them that opportunity. Well, and you've been blasting it from the rooftops yourself. Came out with a book last year called Refugee Workforce, The Economic Case for Hiring the Displaced, which makes this case that refugees can and do play an important role in addressing labor shortages around the country. So what does that look like in Georgia specifically? Well, we look at the U.S. as a whole. There's 7 million open jobs around uh, the U.S. that will go unfilled this year. Uh, but and Georgia is really a microcosm of that, right? There's there's uh, a, a number of jobs in manufacturing, construction, healthcare, and hospitality that will go unfilled in our state. And our our governor and and you know, and, and many of uh, the individuals in the in the public in public service in our state are doing a great job by attracting businesses to our state. For several years now, we've been the number one state to do business. But at some point, we run into a brick wall if we don't have individuals who are dependable and who are legal and who are motivated to step into those roles and, and contribute to these new companies that we're attracting. So uh, I think it's it's just having a better understanding recognition that these individuals, immigrants and refugees, have value to add and they have an economic uh, you know surplus to bring to our state if we can recognize that. But if we don't, if we simply just see them as a burden in some capacity or a threat to our national security, uh, then we're going to continue to approach this discussion in the wrong way. How do you discuss this with friends, family members, you know, if you're uh, other conservatives in Georgia who have a different point of view? Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, I think that most of, of our friends and family and even, you know, I think most of our state would say, we're not polarized to this one view or this or this completely opposite viewpoint. Um, you know, I can say that I'm I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican. I can even say I support Trump in the office of president. However, I, I, I vehemently disagree with the policies being created around immigration and um, and how they're approaching this refugee situation. So I think that is an American right that we have. Um, there, there should be respect for the office, but it's okay to have you know, to have differing viewpoints. And unfortunately, we're in a place in our politics where you have to be, we, we at least feel like you have to be one or the other. So most, we have these conversations with individuals. Um, it makes sense, right? I mean, these are individuals who are legal and, uh, and they want to contribute. Why would we not allow them to do so? So we just try to focus on the economics. And when we do that, the, the, more, the moral argument, the ethical argument, the political argument, kind of falls to the wayside. And there's an understanding from both sides of the aisle, from people that have all different backgrounds and representations, that this just makes sense. It's logical, and it's a need for our state. You did, uh, Chris, recently speak at the UN Commission on Refugees, or UNHCR. You spoke in Geneva, Switzerland. What did you learn there about refugee settlement internationally and the role that the U.S. plays? Yeah, this was a really fascinating point for me. So we know in the U.S. that 
uh, over time, there's there's really been an effort to decrease the amount of spending that is is budgeted towards refugee resettlement. And that's kind of been done in some somewhat backhanded ways. But the essential goal, it seems like from the outside, is to decrease the budget. And it's simply kind of a monetary issue. But uh, I got to speak in Geneva, Switzerland, at the the, uh, Global Refugee Forum at the United Nations. And in meetings there were the UNHCR, which is essentially the world's refugee agency. They are the entity responsible for helping to provide safety and security for displaced people around the globe. And basically, they're supposed to solve the refugee crisis. And, and so um, this is a nonprofit that um, you know, is working all over the globe. So I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with them, and they, they hit me with this bombshell. This is not something I've heard of before being in the U.S., but the U.S. government is responsible for more than half of the annual operating budget for UNHCR. Mm. So it represents over a billion dollars the U.S. government is donating to the UNHCR to effectively say – you are the ones tasked with solving this issue. Go figure it out. We support you. In fact, we support you way above and beyond what any other government uh, or nation does in, in the world. And so we expect you to figure it out. Here's some money to go and do it. We just don't want to have to deal with it on U.S. soil. And I think that still just undermines this, this idea that uh, there's no recognition of the economic impact that these individuals can bring. Well, Chris Chancy, thank you so much for speaking with us and for your work as founder of Amplio Recruiting in Clarkston, Georgia. Appreciate your time. Thank you.